1: Before you defend a view or movement that's only a few decades or even a few hundred years old, listen to what has been the plan of God, not for thousands of years, but since eternity past. It is not a movement. It is the way God created
2: join us now for grace to the bay as we glorify the lord jesus christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher dr roger chen grace to the bay is the radio outreach of grace church of the bay area located in san mateo if you are blessed by dr chen's message and are looking for a church home you're invited to come worship with them now here is dr chen
1: the reality is that other views and beliefs have crept in because the foundational truths of God's word have been neglected, they have been left stagnant, they are suppressed, and they have not been faithfully passed on. This is why it's so important that the truth is passed on. Another view can only come in and contaminate the truth when there is a break in the chain of custody. And as Christians, we need to prioritize, we need to hold fast and deliver the truth. You're talking about evangelism? In part, yes. But this applies to everything. Parents, stop setting aside the truth to make way for instilling academic success in your children. Employees, stop setting aside the truth to make way for perceived respect from your peers. Spouses, stop setting aside the truth to make way for a peaceful home. No more arguing. We set aside the truth so we're comfortable. We set aside the truth so we can pursue things of the world that we want, make us feel good. And so you see, this is not just a pastor must preach issue. This is an issue of our daily lives. It's not just one entity of this local church to the next local church. It is you. When you talk to your kids, when you talk to your spouse, when you talk to your neighbors, when you talk to your bus driver, whatever it may be. Deliver the truth as Paul did. We must deliver the truth. And when we do not, other views, wrong views creep in, and we too quickly forget the biblical historical narrative which includes, and this is very important in regard to biblical headship, which includes the way the creator of the universe intended things to be. I want you to remember this point over the next few weeks. Because the main lesson that Paul is teaching us is the subordination and equality of women to men. The subordination of women to men. And this will rub some of you the wrong way. But before you jump to conclusions, listen. Before you defend a view or movement that's only a few decades or even a few hundred years old, listen to what has been the plan of God, not for thousands of years, but since eternity past. It is not a movement. It is the way God created. And and we see this. Right? We forget the way God created. And this is why you can redefine re- gender. You can redefine life. You can redefine re- marriage. You can redefine love, as our culture has done for all of these things. Because society doesn't care what God intended. Doesn't matter if that's how it originally was. Intended to be for all time. We can change things because of how we feel and then fight for these new perceived rights. We need to be careful. In my relatively short time as a pastor, it'll be 20 years in a few months, I've learned that there are some issues that no matter what I say, no matter what I say, people jump to conclusions sometimes I'm not even talking about that particular issue. I make mention of it, but as a springboard for something else, and they assume they know what I'm saying or what I'm going to say, and even react to what they assume before they even listen to what I have to say. For example, in our last Q&A, we were in the middle of a study where one of the major principles was, I become all things to all men. Remember this? And the principle was that you do all things, as long as it's not sin, or causes a weaker brother to stumble, for the sake of the gospel. So, if Paul wanted to share the gospel with his blood brethren, the Jews, and they said, well, you ain't eating pork here, Paul says, that I'm not eating pork today. That's fine. Because what's more important is not me making a point about, hey, in, in Christ we can eat whatever we want. What's more important is their salvation, right? All things. And in our last Q&A, I said that vaccines fall into the category of all things specifically all things we could do to win an audience for the gospel. I went on to say that I'm not even sure there would be a place where getting the COVID vaccine or not getting the COVID vaccine would open such doors, but if it clearly did, then it's worth getting because of what we have been studying. And one person who was anti-COVID vaccine reacted to the words, You should get the vaccine, and that's all he heard. He didn't hear me say, probably won't be an instance where you would need to do that. He didn't hear me say, well, we need to be all things to all men, like Paul said. He was so grounded, I believe in part because of his political views, in don't get the COVID vaccine, that that's all he heard and frankly, I believe, was one of the reasons he never came back. He didn't hear the context. He didn't hear the main point. That has nothing to do with the vaccine per se. Biblical submission and the subordination of women falls into this category, where some women and some men without hearing the word of God, without hearing the context, just hear those words and they want to throw it all out and jump to conclusions. I know what you're going to say. No, you don't, especially if you think you know what I'm going to say. Feelings, preconceived notions, they keep us from listening. We need to let the word speak for itself rather than jumping to conclusions. And more importantly, this is very important today, let the word speak for itself rather than letting society define what the Bible teaches. See, the Bible says women are to submit and are equal. The Bible says women are to submit and that they are equal. Society says that since the Bible teaches that women are to submit, then it is teaching that women are not equal to men. And a lot of Christians believe that. They say, well, it just makes sense. It makes sense. If I have to submit, then I'm not equal to my husband. That makes sense. It only makes sense to you because society has led you to believe that. And when you believe that, you are letting secular society define what the Bible says. In other words, just because society's logic tells us that since the Bible says, A, women can't do certain things, then the Bible also says, B, women are not equal. Just because society says that does not mean it's true. If we are to listen to society's logic, then Jesus Christ does not exist because you cannot be fully God And fully man. That's society's logic. Or vice versa. Either way, we'd be doomed. On the one hand, he died but didn't save anyone because he was just a man. On the other hand, he couldn't have died because he wasn't human. We're damned either way. Don't listen to society's logic. And with that prefacing warning, let's move on to the main issue that we'll cover over these next few weeks, our third foundational principle of biblical headship, the privilege of submission. The privilege of submission. Look at verse 3. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. And again, if you are bothered then that by this issue, all you heard and all you read was a part about women and men. And yet here it says Christ submits. All men submit. There's one point here. It's manifested in three different examples. One theme, three relationships. The word head speaks of authority. Obviously, it comes from physical anatomy. Your physical head, where your brain is, is what controls your body. There's a lot of of body parts that you could lose, a lot of body parts that people have lost, and they still function. Without your head, though... There's nothing to control the rest of the body. And so we understand the idea of authority there. In a figurative and spiritual sense, this speaks again of authority. The general principle that Paul is setting up here to introduce the place of woman is that everyone, even Christ, has an authoritative head. But first, Paul says Christ is the head of every man. We know from passages such as Ephesians 5 and Colossians 1 that Christ is the head of the church, but Christ is also the head of unbelievers. He is their authority. They may not submit to that authority in their living and life, but he is their authority nonetheless because Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 tells us that one day all men, Christian or not, will bow the knee to the name of Jesus and confess him to be Lord. Why? Why? Well, for believers, because we've been under his authority and for many years we submitted to that authority and we bow the knee and worship him. For unbelievers, at that moment they will recognize that they have violated, rebelled against that authority their entire lives. And at that moment when their consciences are fully informed, they will realize who they are, what they have done, and who he is. And they will bow the knee, not in pleasure like we will, but in pain. It's like people declaring he's not my president. Well, we get what they're saying, that they don't agree with him, they don't uh, they didn't vote for him. But technically and legally, if you're a citizen or a resident of the U.S., he is in fact your president. You may say he's not my God, but technically and spiritually, if you are human, he is in fact your God, your creator, your authority. Again, just like a criminal may not listen to the police or a child may not obey his parents, those people are still the authority. Christ is the head of every man and woman. Next, he says, the man is the head of a woman. This is a general principle involving all men and all women and not just husbands and wives. Of course, a very clear and specific outworking of this is in marriage, but this truth is not limited to that. This does not mean all women are to submit to all men. The later context regarding public ministry in the church and the appeal to creation will clarify this, especially verses 8 and 9, which where he explains the basic order of creation. And this is really what our series is about, so we'll jump to the next one. Third, Paul says that God the Father is the head of Christ. Yes, even within the Godhead, the Holy Trinity, there is authority and submission. But I don't think any of us would dare say they are not equal. Jesus himself was very clear that he submitted to the Father's will. Even to the point of incarnation and death, John 4.34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. John 5.30, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John six thirty eight for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. We know very clearly from Scripture that they are equal, but there is there are levels of submission and authority there. It's not mentioned in our verse for the morning, but we also know from other passages that the Holy Spirit in turn submits to the Father and the Son, but is equal with the Father and the Son. Now, no matter how hard you may find it to submit to another or even to accept this principle, because it is tough at times, the reality is you will never have to do what Christ did because of the Father's authority. Never, ever. Not even close. Even in some weird b- barbaric act contrary to all social and cultural norms, someone crucifies you on a cross for your faith still doesn't even come close. Because you would basically be getting what you deserve. You're not an eternal God who incarnated into human being to suffer and die. And yet he did it with joy and unbridled willingness because of the authority of the Father. And looking at all of these together, we see that subordination and authority are all within the plan of God. Even looking at society, you see how it would fall apart if this was not the case. I don't remember the name, but there was, in fact, a tech company that decided to pay all their employees equally and give them all an equal say without a CEO, without a board of directors, it lost a lot of money and closed shop very quickly. It doesn't work. As much as you may be frustrated by your boss, you are thankful there is a boss. There's a board of directors, people who make decisions from the top down. And though money and knowing who you know may get into get you into places that others can't, the reality is his blood is blood, his tears are tears, her hair is hair. You are equal as far as humanity is concerned. The theme of the whole passage is woman's submission to man, and when you look at the larger principle, you see that this actually gives women dignity rather than dishonor, as our culture claims. Just look. If Christ did not submit to authority, there would be no salvation. That brings great honor and glory to Jesus Christ because of his submission. If man does not submit to authority, there would be no church. There would be none saved. And yet we receive honor and glory because of our submission to his will. And if women do not submit to men, then family, and subsequently society, is destroyed. Wives and moms have a role in upholding the family and society. You think that's dishonorable? You think that's shameful? I think it's shameful that society insults you in saying that it's shameful. There is honor and dignity in fulfilling all of our roles, and if all men and even Jesus Christ is under an authority, how is it embarrassing? How is it undignified or strange that a woman is too? And with the equality issue, it's simply and wonderfully the plan of God. That's how he designed it. You say, that's not fair. I know you're saying it's equality, but it's inequality. To say that God's plan and design and his sovereignty is not fair and it is inequality, it's like my son saying it's not fair because he can't eat what his siblings eat because of his disease. True story for those of you who are visiting. In God's design and sovereignty, my son is who he is. He is made in God's image. His physical body is diseased are you going to tell me that because of his illness that my son is not equal to your son? Because of God's plan for his disease before time began, that my son is not equal to your son or my other son's? You wouldn't say that. You don't believe that. As he gets older, my son has a choice. He can complain his whole life and say it's not fair. I mean, believe me, I think about that. I want him to have a university dorm experience like I did, but what's he going to eat? They're cooking for 10,000 people at one time. They're going to make a special dish for him. I think about that, but he gets older. I can say, he can say it's not fair. He can grow up getting mad at other Christians for suggesting that he should trust God, that that's God's plan. How dare you? He could do all of those things, none of which, by the way, will change the truth of Scripture or God's sovereignty. It will not change who he is. It will not change how God has made him. won't change any of that or he can rejoice in God's sovereign plan and purposes and worship through whatever God has put in his life and how he has made him. Right now, he's not a believer. He's a young kid, grade school. And so he can't fully grasp the idea of biblical submission without the Holy Spirit and, frankly, just his level of logic at this point. He cannot grasp the idea of God's sovereignty. He can't have full confidence in it right now. And so in many ways, he looks at his brothers eating cake or he watches us eating whatever or has to skip things because he has a doctor's appointment. And sometimes he may feel like it's not fair. And that's the reality of any issue, but to our point, with biblical submission, if you have a problem with it, if you feel that it's unfair, it's because you do not have a full confidence in the sovereignty of God. You don't have a high enough view of God to say that this is not the short end of the stick, this is his plan, and it is wonderful because he is good. We'd rather complain, reinterpret scripture, hold grudges against people in our small groups for speaking truth, whatever it is. And as we unpack this, we'll see a broader point that Paul is making. The connection in each relationship in verse 3 is not just one way. It's not a one way arrow. It's not just A is the head of B and that's that what he will go on to say is that because A is the head of B, how B responds to that authority can bring glory or shame to A. How we respond to our role of submission to Christ as our head will either bring him shame or glory. How a woman responds to a man as her head will either bring shame or glory to him and subsequently to the Lord. See, in this passage, Paul's not trying to write a theology of gender. He's writing a theology of worship. He's trying to correct the Corinthians practice that hinders the reputation and growth of the church. And with such a huge issue of worship and authority and God's glory, what is the particular practice or picture that Paul uses to make this point? Head coverings. Yes, Head coverings. How in the world does that fit? Come back next week and find out. Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege to know your plan. What a privilege to even, in a negative way, to see the outworking of your plan and that society rejects it. And yet you have saved us to know it, to practice it. And as we go through this passage, I pray that you would help us to be teachable, especially those of us who know you, but that this particular issue irks us. Guard us from jumping to conclusions and assumptions. And even if our assumptions prove to be true from your word, may we accept it and rejoice for you are good and are holy. Use us, Father, in compliance with our God-given authorities for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org.